Good evening, Patriots, and today is the end of Monday, April 10th, in the year 2023. Coming off the weekend of Resurrection Weekend, and hopefully everybody had a great weekend, had some time to reflect and spend some time with the Holy Spirit in communion with Jesus, and just reflect on just how much was truly given to us, which it truly was an amazing gift that should give us fearlessness in this world, true fearlessness. Before we begin, make sure you're getting all you need for a good night's sleep. Sleep is precious right now. And one of the ways that we can do that, obviously, is to have great things to sleep on, like my pillow, mypillow.com. Mike Lindell has recreated the my pillow. It's now my pillow 2.0, and it's really a fantastic product. Highly recommend you check it out. So here we go. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My Pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My Pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a my pillow or not, you need to get the brand new my pillow 2.0. Call or go to mypillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time, when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better and cooler too. And you're looking good, feeling good. I knew you would. Visit mypillow.com. And there you go, mypillow.com forward slash bards. Your promo code is bards. Been a great product, great company to work with, great people. And Mike Lindell is truly just a, a hero in this whole thing. So, knowing that everything that you spend there is in one way or another converted over to dollars to fight for liberty in this nation, that's huge. So, again, mypillow.com forward slash bards, promo code bards, tons of great products. Check them out. You will not be disappointed. So, I want to focus tonight on John 14, all the way through John 17, if we can get there. I think it settles well with where we've been over the weekend. You begin with John 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you, because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to my and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you will also be. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. We do how do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The passage is interesting because we read it and understand it. When I say that, it's accepted. And it's accepted in a very powerful, powerful way. What I find interesting in looking at the way that we often interpret Scripture, it's where we end up asking or not Maybe I should say doubting or questioning what is said. Those words are pure and true. And as are the words of Luke 10.19 and John 14.12, which is truly our mandate as we head into this fight further and deeper and really what's going to make a difference. This is a passage here from a TikTok account by faith. Have you listened to this? I think he's, you're going to hear something similar that you hear from me. Throughout the Old Testament, we see mighty men and women of God moving mountains with their faith. And yet we forget sometimes that after Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit came down, we were given even better promises and even more power and authority through the Holy Spirit. 
listen to this list of things that were accomplished by faith in our God in the past. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 32. And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Japheth, of David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, and stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mocking and scourging. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they without should not be made perfect. God has given us even better promises than these if we walk by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's just it. And we have tremendous tools of battle. And the question is, are we using them? This is really a critical time to start assessing what our weapons of war are. And we have many. But like all those things, like any weapon you have, you have to practice, you have to be disciplined. I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Um, and I may have even told it recently. But there was a cartel member that was in jail. And I want to say it was Escobar, but I don't know if that was it or not. But the person that ratted him out, got him thrown into prison, he wanted vengeance on now, this story is a little graphic, but it gets to a point, so just bear with me about a bit. It finally came about a year after he was in, or so, that this individual was going to be put into the same prison as this cartel leader. And being that he had a lot of influence, he arranged for the guards to walk him down the hall so that the two passed each other. And as he passed him, this guy that had ratted out the cartel member fell to the floor and started bleeding from his throat. And the guards were stunned until they played back the video footage. And taking it very slow frame by frame, they saw a flash of a hand, which was from the cartel leader, with a shift that came out and went so fast that the guards couldn't even see it. With, the, with their just regular walking. Just it was so fast and so smooth that he cut the man's throat and killed him. Now, why do I tell that story? When they asked him, the cartel leader, how did he learn that technique? This is what his response was. And they wanted to know how long he practiced it and all the details. He said, I spent five minutes a day disciplining, practicing that one move for a year. Now think about that for a minute on every bit of our faith. The enemy is truly knows our power. Our enemy knows the power of who we come from and that we are the children of the Most High. We are in a place now where we need to start working with our tools of war. And it's not native to many. I won't say anybody. But many are uncomfortable. It means healing. That's healing through prayer. That's healing through hands-on, however you do it. It means deliverance work. It even means raising the dead. And greater works than he. That's literally right out of red-letter language, John 14, 12. And when we acquire it, we take that position of that mightiness we understand that, I mean, these are powerful weapons to bring people from the darkness into the light and to literally bring them to a place where people are not going to fall to the victim of the darkness. 
we need to be that aggressive in our, that disciplined in our training. There's a thing about muscle memory when you're working with any technique. It doesn't matter whether you're practicing martial arts, doesn't matter with your hands, it doesn't matter whether you're practicing with a sword, it doesn't matter whether you're practicing on the range with a gun. When you, it will take approximately a thousand drills of highly focused drills. So that means at the beginning, when you're first learning, those don't count. That could be 200. Let's say you're just working on pistol draw point shoot. Or let's say you're working on the sword sword to draw and cut. It's going to take you 250 to 500 times before you get the basic down to where you can comfortably do it. And then from there, if you discipline that in a focused way, it'll take you a thousand times of doing that drill to where it becomes natural in a muscle memory. And to really set that in well, you're going to have to push upwards of 1,500 to 2,000 times. I was, a story was shared with me a while ago of somebody that was doing healing. And they were preying on people to heal them. And the comment was, it took me 2,000 attempts before I ever got to really feel the power of the Holy Spirit from, through me. And I smiled and I was like, Wow. Isn't that interesting? He just did the same. If I went out and practiced the sword, it would take me about 2,000 focused attempts before I really got the rhythm and the connection of the sword down. That's the type of discipline that we need to bring about these powerful tools which we're given. I think a lot of people assume that because it's in Scripture, Either we're gifted with it and we do it or we don't. But these are written in a different time when people understood that this was going to take a discipline and the connection with God was going to be a lifelong event. So a lot of what we are faced with here is not that we aren't we don't have the tools or the authorities, it's that we haven't focused and disciplined ourselves to master them. And our enemy knows it, and our enemy mocks us for it, and tries to take advantage of it. And that's a sad state. Continuing with John 14, 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. For now, for now on, know him and have seen him. For now on, you have known him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and is it enough for us? Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you do not speak on my own, but the Father, as he remains in me, does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. When we take that verse and we put it truly in context, it is even more powerful. John fourteen twelve takes on a whole new level of depth. And there shouldn't be any question as to what the potential is that we have here. We should be healing, but because we're not healing, we have hospitals and Rockefeller-funded medical institutions telling people's lies. We shouldn't be seeing this rise of demonic craziness, but we do because there's very little deliverance work going on here because it's seen as fringe or, or even worse. 
not even really part of the faith, and yet it's right there. There should be the miracles happening right now. It happens in other parts of the world, but it's not happening here. And you can hear the stories of those that open up churches around the world or go and meet with people around the world to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's so many testimonies to the effect of transforming cultures and tribes because of the power of the Holy Spirit. In this country, we have fallen very far. Our pulpit doesn't push as a general rule these amazing and the the supernatural God and the living God. But what does happen in this country is that that manifestation of power does happen in the church of Satan, in the worship of Baal, in the worship of Moloch. And those folks that follow that are following that for a reason. There's a good reason the church of Satan is on such a rise. And there's a good reason we've had such an explosion of demonic activity in our world. Don't kid yourself. Transgenderism is little more than an explosion of demonic activity. If you haven't noticed, demons in the Bible don't refer to themselves as I. They use the terms like they and we and us. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's the pronoun stuff. So we need to be at a point now where we're reclaiming the powers that we were given. And this is the war. And it's really the front line of the war. And it's where every single one of us has a place. The true, the depth of the remnant is to stand and know these these verses, in my opinion. And I don't think I would... I have too many pastors that I talk to that are in this realm that agree with me on this, that John 14, 12 and Luke 10, 19 are critical verses to understanding the authorities and the powers that we were given in this fight. But when we get into the doctrine of the revelation doctrine of the end of age, unfortunately, the way it has been taught, however this has come about, and there's a lot of discussion of how we got here, It has disempowered the pulpit to lead people to believe that we just need to sit it out and wait because Jesus is coming. I'm not questioning whether Jesus is coming. What I'm questioning is what our role is. And I have held from this from the very beginning. Our role is not to be passive. Our role is to be forward-leaning and to be engaged into the world, to confront and engage the enemy with fearlessness, ruthlessness, and decisiveness. And that doesn't mean we're doing so with anger or vengeance either. The interesting thing about these authorities as we are given them is that so much of these authorities are empowered and get stronger when we learn the true principles of a loving and forgiving heart to walk humbly in the kingdom. And when we start to understand that, we start to understand the greater works and greater powers that we're given. Continue here with John 14, 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. He will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. The helper is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. After a little while, the world no longer is going to see me, but you are going to see me because I live. You also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. The one who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas said to him, 
Lord, what has happened that you are going to re reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. The one who does not love me does not follow my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Think about that last phrase in context of John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. These are, these are part of his commandments. We continue. These things I have spoken to you while remaining with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled nor fearful. You heard that I said to you, I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you, will, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in regard to me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let's go from here. The obedience is amazing. And it's an obedience that, as we tend to lean in harder to Father, the obedience is so rewarding. It takes us places unexpected. It brings things together that we could not have imagined. And it presents to us possibilities of doing things that we've never conceived. I've said here before, I have no idea what it looks like to do greater works than he. I could probably imagine some things, but I really don't know what that means. But what I do know is that the teacher is the Holy Spirit will bring that when the time is right. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. For me, this scripture is the Bible. Is It's really a field manual of warfare against the dark side and what it takes for us to represent kingdom here on this earth. And I take it very seriously. Compare what we're doing very much with that in a battle. And I shared this story earlier today, and it's worth in bended knee, and it's worth sharing it again tonight. I'm going to give you two examples of leadership. One was in July 2006. The command was Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Ian Hope from the Canadian Army. It was in charge of Princess Patricia's Light Infantry, which were out of Edmonton, Canada. This was the group I ended up being embedded with. For about a month, I was with them for 10 or 14 days, but they continued their fight for about a month. For about a month, they fought from Kandahar province all the way to Hillman province, two of the ugliest places of warfare outside of Nuristan in Afghanistan. And in that period of time, in the battlefield of fight, they didn't lose anybody. They did lose three guys, and the reason they lost them is on the way home, driving through Kandahar City, a motorcycle-borne IED, which is a guy with a suicide vest on, and tied to his motorcycle, ran into their vehicle, one of the labs, armored vehicles, and detonated, ended up killing three guys. But other than that, there was no losses in the battlefield. Colonel Hope's philosophy was that he built the plan and he provided the authorities to his squad leaders and he trusted in them to do their job. And not only did he trust in that, he expected them to do their job. That allowed him to work with them and support them as they needed to. 
but it allowed them, because they were on the ground, to execute, knowing they had his support, but they could execute better because they had the eyes closest to the battle. Colonel Hope finished in August, and he and I became good friends. Uh, I was awarded the Orion coin for the work I did, which is under his command was the highest award he could award. And what followed was a new commander that came from Quebec, from a group called the Vendus. Now, this commander had a completely reverse philosophy. Now, and this philosophy was that rather than trusting his squad leaders, he was going to dictate every move on the battlefield. He was a complete top-down commander, meaning every bit of authority he gave, it had to come from his desk. We were in Operation Mountain Thrust in July. Operation Medusa began in September. Remember what I told you, the Canadians under Colonel Hope had only lost three guys and damaged one vehicle. When the new command took over, they went into Operation Medusa, and it was a big fight in Kandahar province. And that took them out to what's called the Panj- uh, to Panjaway, which is a pretty rough place, a stronghold, which is a mountain over there called Musamgar, which is where the Taliban had fortified and had a very stronghold and had a very good connection in the village. Within 10 days, the Canadians had been reduced from a full operational efficiency to 30% capacity. What that means is essentially the entire Canadian army was deadlined in 10 days. And it was all about the difference in command styles. One trusted his squad leaders to adapt and overcome and expected them to. The other expected them to obey every word he said and wouldn't let them move unless he gave authority. When I look at Luke 10.19 and I look at John 14.12, I hear the words of someone speaking to his remnant, to his squad leaders. That's God speaking to his squad leaders on the ground, reminding us of what our authorities are, telling us what we are capable of, and trusting that we will now pursue it, master those techniques, and step into the world to engage the enemy, to occupy and expand the kingdom, and ultimately subdue the enemy. What I don't hear is that we can't move unless God tells us exactly what to do and what step to take, because that doesn't work in the way things are. He's given us free will, but he's also given us a latitude to trust in him and we work together. When we talk about a remnant, so that you understand my mindset, that's how I see things, is that people are empowered to understand they have the authority to step on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy. That's given to us by God. Those are red-letter languages given to us by Christ, through Christ to the Father. And the wisdom to understand that, in Christ's own words, is coming from the Holy Spirit. When we get into John 14, 12, and we're told, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. That immediately ties up to casting out demons, healing, raising the dead. And then greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. And I don't know what that means exactly in terms of tangible things, but I know that the authority is given. We have task and purpose, and that's where we engage our enemy. So there's a lot of time in our modern day stoked with wanting to learn weapons training and wanting to be, so many people want to learn all the tricks of the special operators and they're good at training it and I'm not knocking any of them, but I want you to think about this. They spend hours at the range. They spend hours learning CQB, which is how to clear a building, which is one of the dumber things to learn, quite frankly, because you're not going to use it 
And if you do, we're in a much deeper pile of poo than we think. But we don't spend that equal discipline trying to learn what Jesus told us we could do. And I don't, I think a lot of it's because it's not sexy. You don't get to wear a high speed kit, or I guess you could, but you choose not to. And because it doesn't seem within this world, because we don't see it, we don't believe it. We hear the trick, the click and bang of a trigger and the round going off. But because we don't witness the power of miraculous healing or we don't truly believe in it, many people step back from it. Because we don't witness enough the power of deliverance to see demons cast out and what it does, we tend to step back from it. And when we say raise the dead, it's an interesting thing because here's a simple example that everyone should be believing in that. For a simple, here's a simple example. When someone is reborn in Christ, we have risen, the, we have raised them up into a new life. So we have all of these tools to fight with. And the question is, are we disciplining ourselves to master them? Or are we just reading scripture and saying, okay, whatever. Because these are commands that are given by Christ. My walk is not to be that army that gets slaughtered down to 30% capacity because we've been waiting for something to come. Now, there's a joke that goes around, and it's and I'm going to butcher it a bit. I'm going to kind of just recount it because I think the lesson is appropriate. But there's a guy standing on a roof. You may have heard this. And he's praying to God. He says, God, the, the waters are rising. I'm on the roof of my house. I'm going to drown. I need your help. Send help. A helicopter arrives. Lowers down a hook. He, says, he waves it off. He says, no, I'm waiting for God. Then a boat comes up. He says, get in. He says, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for God. And then a guy floating by on some on a makeshift raft, calls to him, says, get in, I'll help you get off. He says, no, no, I'm waiting for God. And so he ends up dying, drowns. And when he is in heaven, he says to God, God, why didn't you answer my prayers? He says, what are you talking about? I sent you a helicopter, I sent you a boat, and I sent you a raft. We tend to look through a very narrow optic on what it is and what we expect. And yet, these authorities, as we work with Father, come through us, and miraculous things have happened and do happen. We have testimony every week now on Friday prayer of the power of prayer. We're at three or four instances, testimonies of people having cancer healed, including one person who has had lung cancer, who is now at home in recovery. We will continue to pray for him, breathing off of a ventilator and in therapy to get back his strength. That happened after one prayer session. These, in any other time, we would call these miracles. And it's one of the reasons on Fridays I'm spending time recounting the testimonies of success. Because we need to start understanding that we truly do have authority. Imagine if we really were using the authority to heal. How many people would be going to the doctor? None. And even if we disagree with a choice, if we had the power to heal which would also lead people to Christ. Think of all the people that have been suffering from the consequences of the vax that we would be stepping in on, taking away their pain and suffering and restoring them to a life. And not only that, resetting themselves within the love of Christ. This isn't naive stuff, and it's not pie-in-the-sky talk. It's all within our grasp of able to do because we've been given the authorities, but what we lack too often is the discipline 
to train it. You're not going to run a marathon without first running a 1K and training on that and then building up to 5Ks and then running regularly 10Ks. And then ultimately, before that marathon, you've got to be able to have done at least one or two full-length 20K marathons before you get there in your practice so that your body's conditioned for what it's expecting to incur. Same thing happens with our prayer. Same thing happens with our disciplines of greater works than he, or, or being able to do all the, the works that, he, that Christ did. And it isn't like there's a goofy video going around right now. I've got some guy putting on the helmet and running around outside and says, I'm going to manifest things. I'm going to manifest things. That's not what I'm talking about. I think everybody knows that. This is a focused prayer discipline. And it is truly when somebody needs healing, we need to be praying for them. And it may take you 2,000 times before something connects. At least where we see that miracle happen before us. But we have no idea what the impact of prayer is over their life. And it may be a healing that we don't even see. Because we're still the equivalent of a white belt and black belt in, in a martial arts. We're just, we're just getting our feet underneath us. And we know enough to be clumsy and sometimes get a little bit lucky. But as we discipline it, then we start to go up in our ranks. The white belt comes in unformed. The yellow belt gets to have a little more discipline. The green belt starts to become more proficient. In fact, a green belt, that's probably the level in Taekwondo where you can start to really defend yourself a bit. In my style, it went blue belt then from there. And what typically happens in blue belt is people get a little more, they get more technique and then they start to get less effective at their self-defense until they get to brown belt and it starts to come back together again. And then they step into black belt and there's multiple ranks in each of those belts. And what happens when they get to black belt? It's not the end. It's actually the beginning. It's where you have enough underneath you. In Taekwondo, you have 12 katas or 12 forms underneath you. They'll call hyung in Korean. And those 12 forms form the foundation for you to go on for the rest of your life and train and get deeper and into the martial arts. And the farther you train, the less need you have to use the physical force. And that's an interesting statement in our own culture because so much dependency has fallen on the gun. Sure, 2A is an important part of making sure the government understands there's a physical line. But I would argue that for those that could truly walk with the Holy Spirit and heal and cast out demons, that's mightier than any weapon out there. Because now you're shaking up the devil's camp truly. And you're able to approach anybody and set them free. These are just thoughts that I have coming out of the weekend, a lot of thoughts, because I gave a lot of reflection and time to the walk in Christ. And I gave a lot of reflection to Christ's walk on this earth, especially in these last days. We don't talk as much or should talk more, perhaps, about how betrayed he really was. This is the man that flipped tables because the money changers were ultimately performing Babylonian money magic so people could get their prayers and go in and pray. They were selling heaven or access to heaven. And he opened the door for them to be able to then not have to deal with money changers. That was the, the point. And yet, who stood with him at the end? They all turned on him. This world is dark. There's a lot of dark people out here that are lost. And it's our role to get in and help them, as difficult as that is. John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown away like a branch and dries up, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be be full. And we continue. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that a person will lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, because all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. We start combining all of these authorities and directives, our task and purpose, and what Christ has given us. And this war takes on a very interesting form. Wielding the sword of the Spirit is mighty. And again, like I've said so many times, nowhere in there does it say not to carry the sword of steel. But the objective is to win the war through the sword of the Spirit and to do so through the love of one another. There are so many broken people out here right now, so many damaged and broken people, and it's only getting worse. And so our role really has to have the compassion in our heart to heal and to restore. And if we're asking Christ to do that and asking Christ for those authorities, it will be given if we're walking in his word. We're going to finish up 15 here, John 15, starting at 18. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. If they followed my word, they will follow you you also. But all these things they do not they do to you on account of my name, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken them, spoken to them, they would not have they would not have sinned. But now that they have now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have they would not have sin. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But this has happened so that the world that is word that is written in their law will be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. When when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify about me. 
and you are testifying as well because you have been with me from the beginning. There's an interesting subtext in this final piece here. And that is that it's the doing of the works in the world that makes others accountable to the word of Christ, even if they don't know him. And when we are out there engaging in the world, whether it's a homeless guy you stop over and buy some food for and just go pray for him, or whether it's just being in a place like a school board meeting and calling them out with the scriptures of what they are doing and where they are accountable. They are no longer void of sin. They are now accountable to the Father. That's part of our engagement in the world. And our engagement becomes one of the most important things we could possibly do. So, in this time, I would encourage everyone, read Luke 10, 19. Read John 14, 12. Take them in context. Listen to what the Word has said. Embrace the authorities. These are your tasks and purposes. Pray into them. Ask Jesus to lead you. Don't be afraid and don't be hesitant. If you're praying for somebody that needs healing, pray. Put hands on. Or if you can't, pray over the phone. But believe. Put your heart into it and believe. And if you can get others to join you where two or three are gathered, do so. When it comes to deliverance work, it works. It's what we need to be doing. The process of how you get there, that's your journey. But it's important that we embrace it and understand it and not limit the Holy Spirit. We can't put God in a box. He didn't put us in one. Don't put him in one. This is a very active war. When we look at the world that's falling apart before us and the power of finance that they use to weave things together, at times it looks like impossible odds. That's when we should laugh the most at the enemy because that's where God shines the greatest. It's where he destroys the enemy and brings him to his knees because the enemy has arrogance. When we walk humbly in our heart, nothing is impossible for Father. And through us, all things are made possible. Pray into what you want. Believe in it. Walk with it. Trust in the authorities that we're given and understand that we are put here for a greater purpose than just to sit out and wait our time to the end. Let's pray. Father, we're blessed with this time that we come together, a time to reflect, a time to reflect deeply on Scripture and, and where we our station is in this life. This is a time of need for great discernment as the pendulum swings back and forth and tries to trap people in this bipolar world of choices, forgetting that where we stand with you, we only stand in the place of truth. All this other is a show. That's difficult at times, Father, and we know that because there's the hooks that we hold in this world, whether it's the mortgage on the house, the payment on the car, putting food on the table. So tonight, my prayer for all that will join is that you can bless us. And Jesus, we say this, that you may bless us with the strength of knowing that when we lean into Father, all will be provided. To unhook those things that are binding us, those chains that hold us to this world and realize that nothing we have is going with us to heaven. Our credit score isn't going to make a difference when we face Father. Where we sit with taxes or back taxes is not going to make any difference to Father. That at the end of the day, our commitment is to kingdom in the midst of a war with a deceitful enemy that uses everything it can take from us to turn it and use it against us. So let us embrace truly, Father, that no weapon forged against us can succeed. But let us understand that for that to work, 
We must trust in you fully. We must lean into Jesus fully. And we must take authority given to us by Luke 10, 19 and walk with the authority given to us and task and purpose of John 14, 12. Guide us and Jesus bless us. And we say these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. We are greater than we know. And you know how I feel about this position when we say we are unworthy. I don't buy it. God doesn't sacrifice his son for unworthy people. We are very worthy. We sin, of course. But it's through our repentance that we stand back up. We're wonderful people. We're made in his image. And we're all made in his image in perfection. So when we see one another, there is such a thing as evil. So I'll qualify this before I finish that. There is such a thing as pure evil. It's our discernment that allows us to separate the pure evil from those that have been persuaded under evil spell. But for those that have been persuaded, God didn't make them like that. They stumbled along the way. Those are souls to save. And our mission should be to save every one of those we can. And when we encounter true evil, and we will, that's when we need to be clear that we do not negotiate with evil. We do not deal with evil. We crush it. But the difference between evil and those who are persuaded under its spell is a big difference. That's where our discernment comes in. So patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I hope you have a very blessed evening. I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in